0: Oh yeah. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Phil's Recap and Review. Today it's going to be the first three episodes of the new Hula series, Only Murders in the Building. And I'm back here to talk about a new show, and I'm very excited. This show kind of caught me by surprise. I had heard about it a while ago, but was not expecting it. And right off the bat, I definitely very much enjoyed it. I enjoyed Brav Brazos and his whole little crew. I'm not alone, I will have with me throughout the afternoon of discussing this, or still morning of discussing this, I'll have people from the live chat joining in the discussion, but I'm going to be talking about this show all season. Every episode comes out on Tuesday, so I'll either be live on Monday evenings or Tuesday afternoons, evenings to talk about the new episodes and try to get down to the bottom of this mystery. I love so many aspects of this series and we're gonna get into it in a second and break apart these episodes. But I also wanna mention that you can also get your voice in the discussion. We have a voicemail and text line. That's 781-990-8509. Again, that's 781-990-8509. And if you have any thoughts about this season of Only Murders in the Building, and you want to share who you think the killer is, who you think would dare mess with a dog, and how adorably cute Martin Short continues to be, If you, or if you have anything horrible to say or anything, you can leave a voicemail and I will play it on the next show. You can also do it when we record this live, but whenever you get a chance to watch this show, please do. And if you've never tuned in with us to watch one of these before, please do. Jump in the live chat. Share your thoughts with everybody else that happens to pop in here live. Or if you're watching this later, jump in the comment section listening to the podcast. You want to watch us live, you can watch us live here on Phil the Issues Guy here on YouTube. So that's all the ways to reach us. You can also email me at igotissuesman at gmail.com. If you happen to not be in the country and you want to leave a little voice clip about this particular episode or the, about the episode that we're talking about. I mean, today we're talking about three different episodes and talking about the lead into the series and kind of my general thoughts in the series, my general thoughts in the series in general. Does that, that sounds a little, there's a little bit of a redundancy there, but there's not redundancy in this series. I very much love it. This series caught me by surprise, as I mentioned. I feel like a lot of series try to merge many different styles. This show does it very successfully, and we'll get into it, but it has Steve Martin written all over it, especially if you have writ- read any of Steve Martin's theatrical work. And I'm not quite awake yet. I haven't had my hippie activities for the day. It's been a morning. That's why I'm here this this morning instead of this afternoon. And I can't wait to talk about these episodes. So let's uh, let's let's take this music down. Get the music down, and let's open this up to the live mother. Freaking chat! Let's see who do we got in the chat right now? Oh, we got AK. We got AK forty-seven. Definitely check out AK Watch if you haven't already here on YouTube. Jordy the Jedi. I love Jordy the Jedi. We got the real YT. We got Tracy G. Phil. I watched yesterday because I knew you were doing a podcast, and I freaking loved it. It's definitely needed. It's funny as hell. Absolutely. And again. There will be some spoilers for the first three episodes, but to be clear, the the spoiler of the season still is not revealed within the first three episodes. So I am going to talk about it. Uh, I may throw some stuff out there that happened in these first three episodes if you haven't had a chance to watch it yet. But this is a charming freaking series. At the beginning here, I'll just do some broad strokes on this series. I heard about it. I kind of feared that it would almost feel similar to the movie Father's Day that came out many, many years ago with Billy Crystal and Robin Williams towards the end of their run of funny movies that they would do when they kind of came together at the end. But Steve Martin and Martin Short have been working together for years in a stage performance, stage show. You can see the, the televised version of that on Netflix, but they've been touring around, building up their chemistry, Ultimately, since early on, you know, doing movies that they've done together and, and working together for years. But, I mean, even in the immediacy, the two of them have created such an interesting, unique chemistry. Uh, it, it comes off more like a theatrical show at times with the both of them interacting and, and like some other shows that have come back. Uh, the one with Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin from Netflix. Re- the Kaminsky Method. It reminds me more of a feel of that than some other things that might seem like these characters are older and tired and past it. It's almost more of a reintroduction to how awesome both both performers are. And this show simultaneously is hilarious. It has that Steve Martin humor that you've been missing if you've grown grown up with Steve Martin like I have. And if you've ever taken the time to read some of Steve Martin's theatrical work, because he's just one of those sick, freaky kind of people that he talks about in a moment in this episode where he says Bra- Bra- Brazos, his character that he plays, can play any instrument that he picks up. Steve Martin's kind of like that. He, if people don't know, Steve Martin's an amazing, amazing banjo player. and Or is it the fiddle that he plays? It's the banjo he plays, right? So Someone, someone correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it's, it's the banjo. Uh, but he also can play lots of other instruments. He was the biggest stand-up comedian in the world at a point in time if you just know Steve Martin as the 80s version of Steve Martin and I apologize ahead of time if you hear some banging in the background they're working on the roof right now which is why I'm not resting (laughs) cuz cuz they woke me up banging on the roof this morning breaking one of my windows so I woke up this morning to my window shattering all over my room to them banging on the roof Uh, so and then I had to figure out who am I gonna murder in the building so but Steve Martin I'm not going to say Steve Martin steals the show because if anyone steals the show of the three of them, it's Martin Short. He is a, he's maybe the greatest scene stealer of all time. So, but Steve Martin, you can feel his pedigree all over this. He is one of the most multi-talented individuals ever to exist within the Hollywood spectrum of what you've been able to watch. Whether it be comedic actor, stand-up comedy, musician, writer, dramatic actor when he needs to be, and... He's bringing so much to this show. All of them are producers, but he's a creator of this. So there is a a sense of humor to it all. I don't usually laugh at things like texting jokes. But there's a texting joke in one of the episodes where Steve Martin's character, an old, out-of-touch guy,s is, is wanting to text a younger person. And he writes this whole, like, form letter. And I don't know why. It was just fucking hilarious to me. Then we get Martin Short on this show. Who Martin Short and Steve Martin have an amazing chemistry as I mentioned he plays he's always you know played growing up as a younger actor someone with incredible energy over-the-top energy and sometimes an innocence about him but what Martin shorts able to grasp in this part especially in that first episode, and when we find out more about his situation, is real pathos, a real depth, almost like you feel bad for him a little bit at times, and you want to give him a big hug. And the interaction and seeing where his story has led him, it's a different kind of humor. It's a different kind of like an over-the-top goofiness. If you've ever worked with somebody in a theatrical standpoint, he plays a theater director. Each one of them play a different thing. I'll get into this when we talk about the episode, but Martin Short plays a theater director, or a general director that has been successful. Uh, Steve Martin's character plays a Columbo-like character that that um, is since retired and has trouble getting roles. And then we move on to our third member of the cast, someone where... This is where I'm out of touch. Someone might be checking out this show simply because of this actor, and I just don't know anything about her. I'm not a big fan of that era of the Disney Channel, and I haven't seen anything else she's worked on before. So this is my first time being exposed to, to Selena Gomez, and she fits right in with the three of them. She creates a different dynamic, obviously, because she's from a different time period, a different different generational sort of thing mixed in there. But there isn't a clash of generation thing going on where we see, like, the new class and the old class kind of vibe. And Steve Martin and her, or Steve Martin and Martin Short are passing off the starness of this show to Selena Gomez. Selena Gomez is fitting into their rhythms. You know, like, Steve Martin and Martin Short have a rhythm where they rag on each other back and forth. Oh, well, every time I hear you talk, I think I'm listening to a Ken Burns documentary on boredom. That—that's basically that's one of the lines Martin Short says to Steve Martin, or or Martin Short's talking, Steve Martin turns to somebody and goes, "I don't know him. Yeah, I don't. I never even talked to this guy." So I like the fact that instead of trying to make it her show and their show separately, which they do set that up, but they set that up for all three characters when she's in scenes with the two of them, especially Steve Martin. She has excellent chemistry with Steve Martin. They have a couple of moments here and there in episodes two and three, two to three, where they, they're they bonding on a level that maybe even Steve Martin's character and Martin Short's character aren't bonding on, uh, a sense of loneliness, a sense of understanding, a loss, because that's the thing. I'm talking all in this first few minutes of this podcast in the stream about how much I... Love the comedy aspects of this show. And again, Selena Gomez fits in with the comedic timing of both Martins, of Martin and Martin here. They, they fit perfect. There is a good, good sort of orchestration of where her more modern day humor can, needs to mesh with them. But on top of all of that, they also create a sense of drama to it all. A sense of each one of these characters, I mentioned it briefly in association to Martin Short's character, but each one of the characters has this pathos to them. Uh, Selena Gomez's stuff is a little bit more spoiler-oriented that I won't get into until I get into spoilers of the first three episodes, but we get into why this is all very important to her. Steve Martin's character is a former actor that has trouble getting parts, but we don't see that that's an issue for him. The bigger issue is he has either a partner or a daughter or some woman that has disappeared out of his life and he's had many years alone. And then Martin Short's character is broke and had a big Hollywood, I mean, a big Broadway failure with a. It's a spoil slight spoiler alert. We're about a musical named Splash where he gets the where he builds a three million dollar water tank on the stage that drains water and during the performance a bunch of people got hurt diving into a tank with no water and it destroyed his career. It's funny, but it's done in a very like serious kind of way. And I love that. I love the aspect that all of these characters have some realness about them in the sense of the way you feel bad for them or you can feel into them a little bit. And then on top of that, they're all shady as shit. Well, I don't think Martin Lawrence is... Martin Lawrence. I don't think Martin Short's character... I love Martin Lawrence if he showed up on this thing too. we could have three Martins. Martin Short's character does not have as much... Which makes me think that he might be the... Okay. Spoiler alert from this point on. Great series if you haven't watched it. A lot of fun. I highly recommend it, especially if you lo- have an inherent love for Steve Martin and Martin Short. This brings them back in a sense to uh to to a relevant television program or movie property, and makes me care about, and I'm invested in this. And that's what I meant to say. I'm invested in this beyond just being invested in the comedic aspects of it. There's a depth to all of these characters that I care about, and a shadiness to all of these characters, which adds to the mystery aspect of it. Because, now slight spoilers moving forward from this point. Each one of them does have a shadiness to them, and... Except for Martin Short's character. I don't feel like he really has it, which makes me think that maybe he ends up being the one that's responsible for some of this stuff. They also simultaneously, at the same time, spoof true crime podcasts in true crime documentary series and create one at the same time. That's one of the things that's amazing about this show, for good and for even better than good mixing up these genres even if you don't like the show or can't dig on it I think the strongest aspect of it of it so far in these first three episodes is eliciting many different emotions from me it's not just making me feel feel invested in a murder mystery it's not just making me laugh it's not just making me go oh I can feel emotionally for these characters and what they're going through it does all of it at once And shocks you, too, and gives you kind of shock humor on top of that with some fun, foul humor and some fun, amazingly shocking, intense situations that add incredible levels of humor, drama, and murder mystery stuff all together. So let me jump into the live motherfucking chat for a second here and see what some of these folks have to say hey, we got Forrest the show, I enjoy, I'm enjoy. i enjoying this series, and I'm hooked, looking forward to future episodes. Okay, I'm going to do spoiler alerts at this point, as I did. I'm absolutely hooked that the cliffhanger that they set up at the end of the last episode, where Martin Short's character, where everything is somewhat lighthearted up until this point, I know someone's murdered, and they set it up, all of that, but the tone of it all is relatively lighthearted, especially in this episode at this point, as Martin Short gets his, gets his groove back, Uh, gets the money he needs to get to save his apartment and pay pay enough to produce the podcast, as I'll get into the point of this show in a second. That these three people in a building, there's a murder, that's a potential suicide, that they think it's a murder, and all three of these unlikely suspects that aren't friends with each other, that they're just three people that live in a building together, all connect that they're watching the same true crime podcast. And based on that, they... They decide that they need to create their own true crime podcast and solve the mystery of this person that committed suicide in the building that they all know individually for different reasons that they figure out must have actually been murdered by somebody in the building. Uh, but 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 I'm hooked. And at the end of the last episode, they and I'll do a little recap of all of the episodes, but at the end of the final episode, episode three, they have Martin Short leave the apartment. With Sel- where Selena Gomez and and Steve Martin are in, and Martin Short goes back down to his apartment to go handle, to walk his dog or something. And they, I forgot to mention that Sting is a guest appearance. They have the scene right before that, Martin Short's in the elevator with Sting, and Sting low-key threatens to kill his dog. And men's like, you think I'm part of the murderer? So Martin Short has this whole... How do I think? Like a, a JD from Scrubs-like dream sequence where he's trying to place who the murderer is, and he does it in a way like he's casting a show. Like you, like, you don't fit the part. You don't fit the part. Get to the back of the line. Get to the back of the line. And then Sting is one of the people because Sting lives in the building. And they're they're like, yeah, Sting didn't kill anybody. Yeah, it's okay. But then at the end of the episode, they make it seem, and I don't think Sting's the murderer at all. I just think it's funny that the end of this, the spoiler at the end of the most recent episode they do it in a way that it's serious you know you want to say that it could be funny and ridiculous people are like oh ridiculous sting but they do it in a way that makes it seem menacing Where they have Sting singing in an empty theater hall. Don't stand so close to me. Don't stand so. Don't stand so close. Right after he basically told Martin Short that he he hates all dogs and he wants to kill his dog. He doesn't. He doesn't exactly say that, but it's an implication. And Martin Short comes downstairs after being upstairs talking to the other two, and there's a sign on his door that says, "End your stupid podcast and stop. End the podcast." In solving this mystery or, or I'll end you. And then you go into the room and then you see Martin Short's dog poisoned. Because in the previous episode, and again I'll go into a whole recap here. You find out that the cat from the building up, from the neighbor upstairs. in The first potential suspect of, a, of the murder, the cat owner. But then we find out he, can, he uh, passes out at the sight of blood. So it can't be this guy. We're playing like one giant game of Clue here. I love it. A cat dies. So they make it they, so they add this like pet death connection to it all which is horrifying but done in a really potentially interesting way and that's I think that's one of the aspects of this show that surprises me and, and again it's not a show for everyone. I think you'll know within the first five minutes of the episode. The film stock, or the video stock of it, definitely looks like a cheaper Hula series. series. There's certain aspects mixed in, but the way that the music goes, the cast, they have a lot of bigger names, visual people, that you will recognize in there. And it's... I'll say this a thousand times in this whole season while I'm covering this show. It sniffs and it stinks of Steve Martin's writing. It... You can just feel it on this. And Steve Martin's writing is, that's where you get that aspect where you have multiple layers. You read a Steve Martin p- play, uh, Picasso the Lap and Argyle. Like, I can't say the French word. I have someone, someone French is like, that's not how you pronounce it, Phil. I know that's not how you pronounce it. But he, he sets up this fictitious philosophical discussion between Picasso and Einstein in the play. Framed in this very Cheers-like environment, where you have a norm-like guy in the corner making making wise-ass comments, and a bartender and his wife arguing in this Cheers aspect. And then in the middle of the play, in this serious sort of philosophical thing, he has Elvis come in through time travel to talk to the other two, to have like a, to have three different generations of of cultural icons all interacting at the same time. So I'm just mentioning that to show you. The style of which Steve Martin writes something, and you get that in this through these dream sequences that we saw with Martin Short, through some of these flash Bojacky-like flashbacks that we're getting in the episode two, where we see a scene from Brazos, and and Steve Martin's going full Steve Martin in that scene, to again Selena Gomez. Putting some uneasiness to her part as well, that she's playing this character that's very much gets off. We learn in the first few seconds that she gets off in the thought of stabbing somebody, so we immediately think that Selena Gomez isn't quite. You know, she's a potential situation too, and we're into spoilers. She has an immense connection, and they do this. They deal with this all in episode two. She has a connection with the murder victim. The murder victim was one of her best friends when she lived in the building before. And again, I'm going to go over this in a recap, but just to kind of, I'm going all over the place here, but I'm just excited about this show. It's been a while since I've been excited about a a new show to talk about like this, except for The Boys and and Invincible. Uh, But, so, there is an aspect of this thing that is just really amazing. She she has a dream when she first wakes up that she's going to like stab somebody to death and that she she enjoys that. Uh and she's also connected as I mentioned to the I to find my way back. She she mentioned that she's connected to the guy that died because she grew up in the building, she didn't live in the building. Her aunt owns one of the one one of the places. She's painting it, setting it up for him, setting up for the aunt. But when she was there when she was a kid, she met up with the the guy who ends up getting killed, um, what's his name? His name is, I'll get his name, the murder victim's name is, where the hell is this dude's name? Uh, Tim Kono. So, so Tim was her best friend, and they solved all these hardy boy-like mysteries, as they referred to it. And then they met up with this other group that were living in the building as well. The One of them was the super's kid and this super rich girl. So they They show you a little flash of something that happened ten years ago or twenty years ago, or whatever it was, that when they were all partying, breaking into other people's apartments, they were they were hanging out at a party, and then somehow the girl, her friend, I forget the girl's name, got uh Mabel, Selena Gomez's friend, got thrown off the building and got killed. And her friend, the guy who uh, Tim Kono runs into her right afterwards and says something to Selena Gomez, "I don't know what or our friend, the the third the fourth friend didn't do this. Somebody else grabbed her and threw her off." But then when the court case comes in, he ends up not saying that and allowing his their other friend to be arrested. Someone got to Tim Kono to shut him up, to not tell him that the other friend, and I wish I knew the other friend's name. I have I have it listed in here. I'll get to it when I get to the recap. That the Super's kid wasn't the one that pushed her off so so there's some shadiness to and then we see another flashback for months ago where selena gomez's character gets in his face and says our friend's being released from jail soon you should try to make up for your sins so to speak so it sets up that selena gomez might be the person that did this murder but then again as i mentioned steve martin's character at one point gets set up to have lock picks for the entire building has maps and ways to get into the entire building has this strange lie that he's told about being alone for 20 years, when really he has a has either his wife who probably divorced him, but it also sets it up in a way where you don't know maybe he killed his wife, like y- you don't know. And Steve Martin's character is all sorts of shady, all sorts of shady in the epi- in the show. But all of that being said, that and I've said this a couple times that Steve Martin is shown to be shady, Selena Gomez is shown to be shady. Martin Short's shown to be needy and like hungry for money and stuff, but not too shady, which means he might be the killer. It, and I don't know if it's going to be one of the three of them. I also forgot to mention that at the very beginning of the very first episode, we open up to a flashback that happened months ago, they say, I think they said two months ago, where we see Steve Martin and Martin Short running down the fire escape and running into a room where we see Selena Gomez standing over a body uh, in blood. So we've, And she's saying it's not what it looked like. Anyways, before we go too far, let me get into the live motherfucking chat. The Show 78, I'm so glad that you're enjoying the series, and thank you for checking out this live stream. So, have you watched The Expanse yet, Phil? <laughs> Alex is like, I, I appreciate this new series you're talking about, but come on. I hope you know that's my way of saying hi. I do know. I love it. I love you, Alex. It's like when Timo asked me if I've watched Black Sails yet. Have you watched Black Sails yet? <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I have not watched The Expense yet, but I do intend on watching it because I know it's concluding, so I'm going to watch it all. I'm going to binge watch the whole thing. AK says, I do not mind spoilers. I don't care about spoilers either. Folks, sleep on John Lithgow for being the king of kids content. He's super good at it. The Three Amigos, yes, Martin Short got this. I love Steve's bluegrass band. Steve's bluegrass band is amazing. He's one of the most sneaky, talented, underrated bluegrass bluegrass musicians in the entire world. And he's respected in so many bluegrass circles as just a bluegrass player that for years, you, like, there's certain circles you'd be like, Steve Martin, oh, the bluegrass guy? No, the com- the comedian and the actor. Like, he's that respected in that kind of stuff. Interspace is one of his best works. I, I also really like um, Meg Ryan's ex-husband in that, uh, Dennis Quaid. I, I think Dennis Quaid is is, uh, is a forgotten about talent of that age. He was really great in Interspace, great in Great Balls of Fire, and a lot of things that he's done over the years, and I think he kind of gets forgotten about as a performer. Selena's got chops. She's young, but she has range. She's surprising the hell out of me in this series. She's not... For two actors that have worked together since probably before The Three Amigos, but... Definitely since then, and then as I mentioned earlier, for years doing this stage show together. Now, she doesn't miss a beat with them. There's never a moment where I'm like, "Uh, Selena's off. I wish she would. I, I wish they got somebody else for this. I wish that. Like I did not know her. I did not know anything of her except for. I'm ashamed to say the only thing I knew about her is that she dated the Beaver. Like that's all I that's all I knew and I never saw anything she worked on I think I'd heard a couple of her songs on the radio and I don't enjoy her music so but you know just because I don't enjoy someone's music doesn't mean they're not a good actor she was good on her Disney Channel show I I honestly I don't doubt it she has she has a little edge to her that I can see that she's got a couple of really amazing parts in her and this is one of them the reason she there's a reason she's one of the most successful Disney kids to have grown up and moved on. Oh, absolutely, and I think it's awesome that she's doing this. I don't know. She's one of the executive producers, so I don't know if they all came to her with this idea or whatever, but I like the fact that she's doing a series like this with two veterans. It's giving; it's allowing someone like me that's not watched that era of the Disney Channel and maybe associates her more with some of the some of the the beaverness of it all as i mentioned and being in some of the press that she got in that way that isn't about her talent so to see her in this sort of type of series that really kind of focuses her around all of her Performing and acting talents, and less about the buzzworthiness of her name. It's it really shows me something. And who gives a shit about showing me something? But it does show me something. That being said, we do have a shower side boob thing. That's just like for all the people watching it because they're you know I think Selena Gomez is hot. They make sure they have that. They make sure they have a side boob shot of her in the shower at one point in one episode. They give her the Sansa side butthole mo- moment. We're like, oh, people are, like looking at Selena Gomez. We got better. Got a side boob shot in there. <laughs> So there's definitely a side boob shot. Hey, hey, we got J S M D down. I always, I always say S M D down, S M down, J in the live chat. Is the show funny or are they washed up? Tell us straight, Jesse. I will tell you straight. I think, I think it's still funny. I think, I think both of these guys hit it home in a way that is surprisingly fresh and funny. I. I think Steve Martin at times in some of his work that he did towards the end of his run could seem a little over the hill, but I think they embrace that over the hillness at this point within them, and they and I think it's more I mentioned this earlier, it feels more like something like the Kaminsky method rather than something where you rather than Father's Day with Robin Williams and Billy Crystal. If that makes sense. Whereas, and again, I don't think Robin Williams was washed up, but I think he was in a movie with Billy Crystal because Billy Crystal was washed up, and they did a movie together where they should have done that twenty years ago, uh, where they were both the top star, top comedic stars. So I think it's I think it's less uh, righteous kill, which was the De Niro and uh, Al Pacino movie that they did after the movie Heat, and it's more Comiskey method, more the uh, the 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 movie that. That uh, Clint Eastwood did with uh, with Tommy Lee Jones, Space Cowboys or something. I liked Space Cowboys. I didn't like the bucket list. You know, like, there's a difference. And I think this uses the uses the people to their talent and doesn't try to put them in a position to make you forget about their age or their place. Instead, it shows you comedy from their perspective now. And I think Steve Martin is still vital in his brain within the comedy. And I think having Selena Gomez there, you cut some of their humor and make some of their humor seem antiquated and they make fun of it and be aware of it on the show. There's one moment in the, in one episode where Steve Martin's playing his instrument and doing Steve Martin kind of like, having fun, I'm really good. And he turns to uh, Selena Gomez and goes, oh, you like that. And she, and she has deadpanly turns to him and, and says it in a very modern sense of humor, is that what my face tells you? And there's moments like that, as I said. I, I usually sort of cringe when I see comedians or especially older comedians make texting humor or internet humor. But there's a couple of moments here and there where Steve Martin makes a comment. Where, Martin Short's just timeless. Martin Short's whole thing is is completely fucking timeless and his energy is crazy and whatever. But Steve Martin's the one, like, he's the intellectual humor of the two, you know? And there's a couple moments where Steve Martin does, makes like an internet joke where Selena Gomez is like, yeah, I checked all his internets, I couldn't find anything and he's like, we've exhausted the internet! There's just something about the way he says it that's hilarious. And then when he starts talking about to Martin Jury, he's like, oh, we should we should get in touch with Mabel, uh, Selena Gomez's character. What should we do? Should we call her or text her? And then they both look at each other and they're like, they kind of hate it when we call, right? And it was just kind of a moment where it's old, fogey humor in the sense, like out of, but it's done in a way that's still hilarious. And then Steve Martin's like, I'm going to text. And he writes this like long, detailed, uh, Detailed form letter text. Sincerely May. Sincere... Uh, greetings, uh, Mabel. Could you come to my house at your nearest convenience? By the way, this is... This is uh, Brazos here. And... And then she just writes back, Idiot, you don't... I know who you are. You don't need to reply to me. So I feel like it does a good job of balancing out both errors of humor. She's there to keep things modern-ish in, this, in her sense of humor. And it's there. Steve Martin and Martin Short, I know this seems so trivial to some people, but it matters to me. Especially when someone like Eddie Murphy hasn't said the word motherfucker in 75,000 years except for my name is Dolomite. They say fuck. Fuck is every other word of this series. You cannot get two minutes with this series without them saying, I'm fucking fucked. I'm fuck. This is fucked up. You know, every series has a sort of uh, statement or a term that gets gets formed into repetition on the series. Uh, Sons of Anarchy says, "I get that." You know, everyone on Sons of Anarchy notice this next time you do a rewatch. Everyone says, "I get that." That it's just one of those things or Jesus Christ, Jax. Jesus Christ, Gemma. Like there's always this sort of interaction or reaction to something on this show. It's fuck. Everyone's saying fuck all the time, and I love it. Like <laughs> I can't get enough of it. And it's good to hear Steve Martin and Martin Short say fuck so much. I don't know why it matters to me, but it does. Hey, Lady Starfall. Never watch the show, but your reviews Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jay. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to trying to slap this all across the face of showing you guys my love for this series. It's only three episodes in right now. Uh, I believe there'll be ten episodes for the season. I might miss one week on my move, but then double it up. But I am going to be talking about these episodes right after they air. They're only half an hour episodes, too, so they're very quick. Um, so if you if this is something you want to binge watch at some point in time later on, it's not that long of a watch. So far, we've had the three episodes, new episodes, air on Mondays at midnight, which I don't know if it's Eastern Standard midnight or, uh, or West Coast time, which they usually do, which means 3 o'clock in the morning. If it's... If it's midnight on a Monday night, I might even do them on Mondays after the, after the days, depending on how I feel, or Tuesday afternoons. If not, I might do them Tuesday evenings. I don't know. I'll figure out the time of when it's going to live. But I will be, make sure that if you're enjoying this silly discussion and you want to hear more and, and we can work and talk about this case through this situation, uh, make sure you subscribe and follow the channel so you can be notified whenever I go live to talk about only murders in the building. So let me catch up here in the chat before I go. Steve Martin wrote the show. What city is it set in? It is set in New York City. New York is a very big part of the of the, uh, of the the show right from the beginning in the building that they live in in New York. Um, I'm pretty sure Steve Martin wrote it or at least created it and has his hand in a lot of the writing. I don't know if you write script to script or he hired a scripting team for that. I'd have to look into it a little bit more. But you do get the um, you do get the title card of created by Steve Martin and then in another gentleman and uh, executive produced by all three of them. So all three of them have their money and their time into it. So you can s- so that's definitely part of it. You can feel the care all three of them have for this project. At least I can I can feel it in there, Lady Starfall. Great to see, you, Lady Starfall. I'm gonna watch this show. Sounds interesting. I hope you do. And again, it's one of those shows that just like any comedy or murder mystery type stuff, it's gonna be for you or not for you. You'll know right in the first few minutes of this show if you're gonna like it and and like the tone of it. I would recommend to watch till the end of the first episode. It's only 30 minutes, but they pack a lot in there. Uh and. I mean, some people aren't going to connect to the humor. I've talked about this with Joe on the last stream that him and I did together, and we almost got into an argument about it. But I feel like it's hard for me to tell you something's funny. You're not going to know it's funny until you're watching it yourself. I can tell you it's funny to me. But I can say that the murder mystery aspects that they capture in this is very, are very good, especially for comedic series. They don't chintz on that. There's definitely a mystery going on, and there's clues littered about, and... It's about figuring it out. I feel like just right off the bat, you have to sort of, the vehicle in which that they deliver it to you is through a comedic tone. And to get through this and to enjoy it in the way that you would need to enjoy it, you almost need to be accepting of the comedy in the series. And you're not going to know that until you feel feel the speed, so to speak. Hey, we got Muhammad in the live chat. Great to see my good friend Muhammad Jesse, haven't seen the show yet, but my money is on Martin Short ending up as evil villain. There's a sense to that. You know, there's a sense to there's something deeper and darker going on in Martin Short's character, but they do a good job of protecting you from it in the show. Here we go. Oh, we got we got people in the live chat. Look at that. Sorry, I meant to open up the chat a little bit earlier in here. But, uh, Tony! Mother! Frickin! Pajamas! Yes! Sorry. Oh, where'd my dog go? Oh, sorry. I scared my dog. I scared my dog thinking about Tony Pajamas. That's what happens when Tony... Here you go, Lotus. You want a treat? Get back up there. Come on. Go. Go back up there. I'm sorry I scared you, but Tony, Paja- Tony Pajamas gets me excited whenever I see his name in the live chat. Hey, Phil, happy to catch another stream, even though I've never seen this show. Seems to be light, semi-dark comedy with a team of Martin Short. Will it take a darker turn? Icy Spots, yes. It already has taken a darker turn at the end of the third episode. And I do believe that this show will always have its balls dipped in all different kinds of pudding. Anyone, anyone who's watched The State, that's a lot of pudding. I'm going to dip my balls in that pudding. But no, I think there's going to be many different kinds of pudding for them to dip their balls in. And I think the show definitely has that gear where it's going to get serious quick. Um, And it has a one-hour photoness to it all. like a creep- There is a creepiness to it as well, I feel, within it all. And my money is also, in some ways, because Martin Short seems the least likely, it seems like he would... Mo- there's some sketching that's going on with Martin Short's character. Tony Pajamas is the cutest name. I love it. I'm gonna if I ever have another cat or a dog or something, I want. I'm sorry. I need to name it Tony Pajamas or or P.D. Pajamas or something. Something Pajamas. I love it. It's cute. <laughs> but yes, I see spots. Thank you, Lady Starfall. Is also a fine name. I agree. It's it is funny. Like a clue, I was in. Phil, you got to check out "Never Have I Ever" on Netflix. Such a great show. John McEnroe is the narrator too. Wait, wait, wait. John John McEnroe, the tennis player, or am I? Is that a different John McEnroe? And it's also in. Is the narrator that's also too funny? Funny female, Zach Morris. But it, Tracy, do you mean like McEnroe, like Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac tennis player, John McEnroe, or is his name spelled Mac, like M A C? Whoa, John, If Johnny Mac is a part of it, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta, might have to check it out. It does have an intellectual humor to it all. It is, it is pretty freaking hilarious. Jesus, Jesus fucking Christ, Gemma! <laughs> exactly. Every, almost in every episode of Sons of Anarchy or certain shows have certain words that just get said. And Sons of Anarchy, Jesus Christ, and this is a lot. I get, I get that. I get that. Every character when someone's telling the problem, I get that. I get that, A.K. But Jesus fucking Christ, Gemma! Hey there ladies, starfall hungry at the moment, multitasking at home, making breakfast. I'm so glad that you guys checked me out and popped on in here to check out this live stream this afternoon. I was going to do this this evening or later in the afternoon, but I was up awake and I got woken up probably like two hours earlier after not really sleeping last night. So... Before I hit my wall at like 4.30 today and I'm like, I'm not streaming tonight. I did too many hippie activities. I figured I'd get in here early because I want to make sure I talk about talk about this series and get this out here. So I'm ready for the new episode on Tuesday to just kind of talk about that. And I didn't want to miss any episodes of this series this season. It's, I'm enjoying these first three episodes that freaking much. Ooh, Omelet. Funny enough, AK, there's a big aspect about an omelet in this series. Steve Martin's character, one of the shady things he does is he makes an omelet every day and then he throws it out. And they don't, I don't know if they're implying or there is an implication that he's doing it for his either ex wife or daughter that's either dead or divorced. And he's doing it as a way of almost going through the motions of doing it like they're still alive. And Steve Martin's character also has a. Vibe about him, and I know a lot of this is dedicated to Steve Martin here, but that's just—he's—he's he, my—he's my conduit in. As much as I love Martin Short, Steve Martin's always been one of my favorite people from a performance standpoint. So I'm focusing a little bit more on his character, but I'll get into Martin Shorts before I end here, especially when I get into talking about episode three. But he every day he makes an omelet and then he throws it out, and there's one scene. I forget what episode it's in, where a character comes up to him and goes, I smell that omelet you cook every day. And and then says, it reminds me of this girl that's disappeared. And then it's a shady kind of moment. And then there's this other moment in the elevator when we see Steve Martin listen to this oboe playing outside and he closes his window all annoyed and he bumps into the girl that's playing later and he can't help but lie. She says, oh, that's me playing. I hope it doesn't bother you. And he's like, no, it's beautiful. It makes the sounds of the building. There's something just completely freaking shady. Hmm. Excuse me about Steve Martin's character. Brazos. <laughs> Fucking Brazos. I can't fuck with Earth and <laughs> Dips his balls and different kinds of pudding. I think that was the best way of saying that. And I think that was an accurate representation of what I wanted to say, too. Yes, the tennis player. Funny as hell. I fu- John Johnny Mac is... He had a talk show for a while. What was, what was it called? Like Unhinged or something. The, Johnny Mac is... Johnny Mac doesn't fuck around. Johnny Mac is like real life Doctor Cox sometimes. The way he talks from uh, from Scrubs. <laughs> Those belters. Oh, we got Mon- Monty Monk or Monk Monty. I don't know why. I don't know why I flipped around your name. Monty the Monk, Monk the Monty. Live from the Netherlands. Holy freaking hell! Lots of love to the from the Netherlands. Huge toast to you. If it wasn't eleven thirty in the morning, I would take a shot of vodka right now for you. Mmm. Good thing I don't have like a super super coming up. The first time ever I'm asking, please don't super chats. I don't want to start drinking at 11:30 in the morning. But thank you so much for checking out this live stream Monk Monty. This is why I love occasionally and I don't do it as much anymore, but I will once I now I'm getting once I can get back into a rhythm the whole last year and a half have been disgusting for me. But now I'm gonna to try to get back into more of a thing with some newer shows, I'll definitely be doing more afternoon stuff because I forget how much there's some people that watch all over the world that might not be able to check it out when I'm doing a nighttime stream or something like that. So, thank you so much for checking this out and I'm glad the timing worked out to have you pop on in here. Belcher 2, it's only, is only Murders in the Building watchable as would Joe watch it? Like it. Would Joe watch it? Like, it's funny that you say that because I did suggest the show to Joe the other day. I do think Joe will enjoy this show because he does like murder mystery type stuff and he also has a heart for Martin and Martin over here. I would say if this show... It's more of a genre show if you like it. If you like lighthearted comedy mixed with murder mystery, mixed with some serious kind of, kind of inherent drama type stuff, I think you'll enjoy this show. I don't think this is a show Joe will shit on, if that's what you're asking. I think it's more of a show Joe will be like, yeah, that's, it isn't as serious for me. In the sense of like, if you're playing a certain kind of video game and you're way into FIFA for 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 uh, EA's FIFA game, right? And you start playing Mario Soccer. <laughs> you know, Mario Soccer isn't going to be quite as in-depth even Mario Strikers was an amazing game. But it's not as quite in-depth as the as the FIFA game, but it still gives you the points. This show isn't as in-depth as a murder mystery show that you'll watch like, you know, something that that uh LMR and Tony would cover or something, you know, something really deep murder mystery stuff. It's more of Simultaneously, spoofing how obsessed people get with real crime podcasts while giving you a real crime mystery to solve at the same time. There's a spoofness to it all while taking itself serious, almost like Spinal Tap. And and it's not like improv or something like that, I just mean in the way that Spinal Tap can almost be viewed as a documentary on a real band in a spoof on band documentaries. This show can do both things. Does it do both? Does it do everything excellently? That's for you to decide. But I do think it's a half an hour show. It's worth me suggesting for you if you like Steve Martin and Martin Short to watch this, especially if you've seen their stage show. If you've seen the netflix Netflix special where you see them older and you understand their their tone, their speeds at this age, Martin Short's still as fast as ever. Steve Martin's a little bit more plodding at times. But if you but it could also just be the character he's playing. He's playing a Colombo-like character. Uh if you and then Selena Gomez is Selena Gomez. I don't know much about her beforehand, but she is good in this show. And so I do recommend it. I I, I highly recommend this show as, as something that I enjoyed watching. And I don't know about Joe yet joe might be doing these recaps with me eventually i told joe about the show he's going to watch it whether he likes it or not (laughs) is completely completely left up in the air at this point but that's a good that's a good way of asking that question why would you waste a perfectly good omelet honestly that's been pissing me off as well too (laughs) you were very thank you so much jay a new game martin throwing away food and shorts lining his pockets at the deli table we're hilarious and that's the other thing about martin shorts character and go to martin shorts character he's all over the place all crazy plays that energetic uh, directing theater person so well but he's also broke so you see him down at at a wake at one point in time and he's just like lining his pockets with dips he's like I don't even eat dinner anymore I just eat dips my stomach might be bleeding. I don't care, though. I, I just like the dips. The dip, dip, dips. <laughs> and then again, Selena Gomez. Each episode of these three episodes is break broken apart in the sense that om- each episode... Like the first episode introduces you to all three of them. Second episode is definitely Selena-heavy. Third episode is very Martin Short-heavy. I wonder if the next episode will end up being... Will end up being... Um... Uh, Steve Martin heavy, but the first one kind of was two, I don't know, so I guess before before I go too far, I think I shared most of my initial thoughts about this show, so let's get into a little, even though I didn't title it like this, but let's get into a little Okay, let's get into a little recap. Wake it up here and talk about break apart these episodes a little bit more in depth about what happens. The recap that I'm reading is from I didn't write this out myself. Fuck this. When it really comes down to it, now there's so many great article people doing articles on recaps. You know, I took a little notes on their articles, but since since this happened before, you yeah, know, I'll be a little lazy and read someone else's recap. I don't care. I'm giving you credit. I don't know where I took this from. One of you news article people, people of recaps, uh, entertainment Weekly, some of these some of these mother one of these mother grabbers. But let's get into this here. awesome! As soon as I'm done with the first episode, I will play. Um, I will play your voicemail, Jay. Our first episode is called True Crime. Something bad happens in the Arconia, which is the high-end apartment building in excuse me, New York City. Steve Martin's character is called Charles. Martin Schwartz's character is called Oliver. They're all out of breath as they race down to find their friend Mabel, Selena Gomez, not wanting to leave her behind. Bursting into her apartment, they find Mabel on her knees leaning over her body. There's blood all over the shirt. She says it's not what you think. So then we get a flashcard of two months earlier. We're introduced to Charles, an actor of famous playing a famous TV detective in the 90s named Brazos, Brazos. Now, we meet Oliver, an eccentric Broadway theater director, and Mabel, a mysterious, secluded, fashionable young woman. Now, we intro- we're we introduced to each one of them through a monologue that gives you a little voiceover to learn a little bit about each character. As I mentioned, Steve Martin talks about how he, was, he does a voiceover that ends up being the voiceover of the podcast that they start. Uh, Martin Short does this whole thing about a video of watching this person fall off and go back up. And Mabel, Selena Gomez talks about how she fantasizes about stabbing somebody. The only real thing that they have in common is they live in the Archeconia together. They are riding in the same elevator, the three of them, and they witness a young guy come in with a garbage bag in one hand and a cell phone to his ear on the other one. He's talking to someone about an important package that is delayed, and it's not the first time this happens. He's super upset with whoever he's talking to on the other end of the call, and he steps off the elevator. After this, we see Charles settling into his apartment. We see each one of these characters settling in, and they're getting ready to watch their favorite Listen to their favorite true crime podcast, All Is Not Okay in Oklahoma. Now, the host is uh, the host of the podcast. If you didn't pick this up, people that watched it, the voice on it is Tina Fey. Now, they do a uh, juicy details of the episodes are interrupted by the alarm. We're about to find out what was in the dog's mouth or something, and then all the residents have to evacuate. On the way down, uh, Charles passes someone in a tie dye hoodie going up, but he doesn't see their faces maybe that's the murderer at the nearby restaurant Charles continues the podcast with his map pinned onto clues because since he's brazos he's trying to solve these problems himself since all the tables are full Oliver recognizes Charles he asks him if he can share a table seeing the map and confessing to be obsessed with not okay in Oklahoma as well when they both see Mabel enter they wave her over but they and she's getting ready to walk away but then she sees that they're looking at the podcast and they all bond over the podcast They end up coming back to their building and they see it surrounded by police. They overhear that there's been a murder on the ninth floor, even though they're told they can't get back to inside. Steve Martin, Charles' character, says he has access to a service elevator. So there's another sketchy thing about Steve Martin's character. He has access to a service elevator in a building that no one else does. He's got a lot of cheesy shady shit going on, Steve Martin. Mabel suggest that they take it up to the 8th floor since the ninth floor is crawling with cops, sneaking up they discover the deceased residence is Tim Kono and the guy that they saw in the elevator and they talk about how no way he was the kind of guy that would kill somebody that would kill himself. He was such a prick or whatever the way they were talking. They're like he's not the kind that would kill himself. They're con- con- they're convinced that he murdered himself. Now they bump into a detective who's like, who's like, what the hell are you guys doing? Accuses them of being devotes to true crime podcasts and actually says, you fucking true crime podcast idiots. When they're allowed to get back in their apartments, Charles makes an omelet and throws half of it away, um, which causes him to remember that Tin Kono had a trash bag in his hand at the elevator. He heads down to the elevator, stops at Mabel's floor, who had the same thought. Oliver ends up with them, but he had a different thought. It's like, oh, you had the same thought too? And it's like, no, wah." Uh, at all, but I'll come too. They all suggest Oliver suggests that they do a podcast since they're starting an investigation and he uses his phone to start to record what they're saying. Mabel finds a ball a bag with mail from t- Tim that contains Oliver. Uh and it looks like Oliver won't be doing the podcast after all because it looks basically like it's a suicide. The next morning, Mabel's brushing her teeth in the bathroom, listening to her next-door neighbor's conversation through the air vent. We see that Mabel has a tattoo on her shoulder of a whale. Hearing that the neighbor leave, Mabel rushes to get Charles, telling him that she remembers that her neighbor bunny ended up with one of Tim's packages by mistake last week, since he was talking about a package being missing. So they go, and they find it, and they're going to sneak into the air vents through the buildings as Charles sees that her whole place is under construction, and he has another idea. Brazos has a lock-picking kit? And because he played a detective on television, they gave him a lock picking kit and he knows how to pick locks. That seems shady. It's And then it's right there. He starts telling her a story about how his father, in many ways, was awful to his mother. Thinks he's better alone. And then she talks about how she had a group of kids called the Hardy Boys. That they had fun times hanging out together. Steve's character shouldn't tell anyone that he has a secret access. Not Shouldn't tell everyone that he has any, everyone that he has secret access, not the killer, especially when he doesn't trust anybody. He's being, ve- which makes me think that Steve Martin is either shadier than he puts up, because that's a good point, Jesse. It seems like he is constantly giving up more information than he has to to people that are around, considering there might be a killer around. Happy Motherfucking Friday to Big Kevin the Live Chat. Hopefully, all your. All your draws end up yielding success, my friend. Great to see you. I was just gonna watch this show after I dropped the school's off, kids off at of school today. Definitely do, Kev. I'm gonna be talking about it every week. I hope you enjoy it and can tune in with us every week to talk about this show. It's gonna be fun. I do need a show that I can talk about by myself too. So it's excited to it's exciting to get out here and be able to babble to you guys for a couple of hours here. So once inside, Mabel sees Tim's package after a funny bit with Martin setting up a search. They take it to the roof. They open it up. It contains what's to be an engagement ring. And then it just doesn't make sense. Who buys an engagement ring who's alleged suicide? Meanwhile, Oliver's wrapping gifts for his grandkids and he leaves to go see his son. The grandkids aren't there. And Oliver talks to his son and Begs his son for more money that his son's bailed him out a couple times. And his son says no. And it turns into a whole thing where basically Oliver, Martin Short's character, is like, my only existence exists in this building. And his son's like, yeah, great. Thank you for me. (laughs) I guess I don't matter. So, and it looks like the podcast isn't going to happen. And it looks like everything's about to fail. So, right as Martin Short's going to go home and be sad and try to figure out that he has to sell his apartment, he gets a message from... Steve Martin's character saying that the podcast is back on that that uh, they found some shady evidence. So they all meet and Oliver tries to be like, "Let's do multiple cases." And Steve Martin goes, "No, only murderers in the building." Which gets our which gets our name of our title. And at the close of the episode, each character goes back to their unit. We learn a little bit more about them. Charles has an ex or a daughter named Lucy, and the omelet is hers. That's where we get the interview. Is Lucy dead? Did he kill Lucy? Is Lucy just left? Because he says he still talks to her and the way that the the neighbor interacts with him. And was the neighbor that guy from Community that plays Arvid on Community? For anyone that watches the series, I didn't check it out. But I, I think it might be the actor from Community that plays Arvid. Arvid, is that his name? Uh. Anyways, makes her eggs. All of his dues, bills are passed. Dooney's facing eviction. And Mabel's screensaver, Mabel's screensaver, Selena Gomez, is of the Hardy Boys. And at the end of the episode, we realize that she knows Tim Kono very, very good. One of the funniest lines in this episode, as I mentioned, as Steve Martin's doing the voiceover for the podcast, uh, Martin Short says, I'm like listening to a Ken Burns documentary on the history of boredom. I just thought that I thought that was a fucking hilarious, hilarious line. So we come back into episode two which is called Who is Tim Kono? And uh, we get a little clip from the Brazos episode, which is another thing that's going to be added to that amazing website that has clips and, and videos and uh, pictures from fake television shows like Horse It Around or uh, Robin Sparkles type stuff. Uh, I like that there's a website dedicated to this, so then we're going to get some Brazos stuff eventually. Mabel's in her apartment wearing the ring that was in Tim Kono's package as she sketches a picture of him on the pad as this inhabits a big part of episode two where and i kind of already talked about a lot of episode two where she sees she's watching brazos on her uh laptop while she's looking up information on tim and and drawing a picture of tim she's an excellent artist in this world and uh she sees that the speech that charles gave to her about the mother and the father and all that stuff she gave while he was lockpicking he's doing quote for quote on an episode of brazos So either he's using his real life example or he's making stuff up. And she's just like, what the flying fuck? So we go into Charles Closet where Oliver's recording more of the content. Uh, Mabel comes in and makes fun of Steve Martin a lot. And there's a lot of Martin and Martin jokes going on. And he's like... he. Oliver says he never locks his door, which is another thing that's shady for Martin Short's character to say in a building where there's a murderer. Martin Short's not afraid to lock his door. And Charles even says to him, maybe you should lock your door because there's definitely a murderer in the building. As they checked with the superintendent guy or the guy that does the uh, video surveillance and that the security guard said no one came in the building who wasn't a resident on the day that Tim died. Now Mabel is giving Charles the cold shoulder. She tells him that she couldn't find out much about Tim Kono online, so which exhausted the internet. And uh, Mabel, he asks Mabel for the ring. She says no, and she refers to him as Brazos again to kind of insult him. Go, okay, Brazos, I'll give you what you want. Charles says something like something in someone in the building must know him, which prompts a flashback from Mabel. She has just moved into the apartment. I already talked about this with her aunt. Tim approaches her. They knew each other. And they have a history. And she doesn't need people like him in her life, acts like you don't know him. So uh, there's a funny line in here, too, where they talk about where she says, he was a horrible person. And uh, Martin Shirk goes on a rant about, would I care if Steve Carell from The Office got killed? Mm, No. Episode 2, they also talk about how on podcasts like this, episode 2 always makes you care about the victim. Anyways, out of the flashback, Mabel holds up a flyer announcing that there is a service for Tim downstairs. We go downstairs and this is where we lure, get meet a lot of the funny people, the potential potential suspects in the building. We see uh, it's all hosted by Dimas Deli, the resident of the Acadia. We see Bunny leading the meeting. We see a therapist that is uh, trying to get everyone to go to Venmo. We know everyone's sad, and if you know, it's a funny commentary on therapists or in people that are trying to take advantage of bereaved people or in upset situations, especially during quarantine. They're like you're feeling bad, oh, I can be your therapist. Just you pay me on Venmo, 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 Venmo. <laughs> She asks if anyone wants to say anything, they're silent. Someone finally speaks up asking if they can use their fireplace again because Tim was the person that made it so everyone can't use their fireplace again. We get the Venmo guy. Um, We get this guy Howard who starts crying about his cat Evelyn dying and several neighbors turn around and they're more concerned with the death of the cat than Tim Kono. After the memorial, Oliver stuffs his stuff in the pockets with Dip and he tells Charles he wants to go talk to the building super Ursula who Charles doesn't know. He doesn't give tips. (laughs) This is where we get some of the some of the business of humor, where where uh, Oliver is friendly. Everyone in the building loves Oliver because he tips you, he gives you friendly stuff. Steve Martin's character sticks to himself, and he hands out autograph pictures for tips in the holidays for people that work in his building that have known him for fifteen years. So uh, Mabel says she has a migraine. She's going back to her apartment because she starts giving Charles too much shit about lying to her. Up into the apartment, Mabel opens her laptop and begins to record her own testimonial about how she knew Tim, with a little label of it, in case anything happens to me. She shows the pictures of him, says that that's who he was. We get a flashback to the age of 10 when she first met him while staying with her aunt. She was reading some Hardy Boys mysteries. They end up bonding bonding over the mysteries. They meet two other girls, Zoe and Oscar, that I mentioned earlier, later be... The latter being the son of the superintendent, among the books we see Mabel reading in the flashback is one titled The Mystery of the Whale Tattoo, which we've already seen that Mabel has a whale tattoo. As Charles and Oliver head up to the manager's office, Charles reveals he doesn't tip in the building. Uh, They end up needing to buy all this like muscle milk or something like that. Ursula says that they need to check out Tim's apartment before it is cleaned out for tomorrow. The trio sneak into the apartment after going up to Mabel's being like, you want to break into a house? Yep, sounds like fun. They find a pool of blood, which is still on the floor. Mabel's drawn to the bookshelf, which is nothing but hardy boy mysteries from top to bottom. Oliver notices a stack of mail commenting that Tim was behind on his building fees. And there's a little business with that. Now, we see a flashback here. This is the flashback I talked about earlier. Mabel is dressed for the party, checking herself in the mirror. When Zoe enters the frame, Oscar steps out, complimenting Mabel. It makes Zoe jealous, who is now Oscar's girlfriend. Tim steps out and takes a picture, setting up his Polaroid and getting in the frame. It ends up being the pictures we saw on Mabel's laptop. Cut to the rooftop New Year's Eve party where Zoe confronts Oscar and accuses him of cheating on her. She runs off, and he chases after her. short while later, a rooftop occupant hears a woman scream. Zoe has been pushed off the building, falling to her death, and in the chaos, Mabel finds Tim as he gets into an elevator telling her, telling her that he saw someone else pushing Zoe, fighting with Zoe. She urges him to tell the cops, but he disappears behind the closing elevator doors, and the other guy goes to jail. So was he the killer? Did the other guy kill him for revenge? In Tim Kono's apartment, Charles finds a body cat, bloody cat print, which means that Evelyn was also in Tim's apartment at the same time being killed. In fact, the cat also died the same night. Can be, can't be can be a coincidence. They return to Charles' apartment with a bag of items to further review their body, the bloody shoes and hands. Mabel finally tells Charles that she doesn't, she can't trust him anymore because of the Brazos things. And he says that he wrote those lines and it was all true about his life. But is it weird that he says that verbatim? After leaving Charles' apartment, Mabel goes back to Tim and sits on the floor. And she imagines him. She has a she has a vision of him being alive, head wound and all. It's pretty sick. And asks him who the ring was for. She doesn't get an answer because it's a figment of her imagination. So it's all in her own fucking head. And she opens up the cover of the books to find that pages have been cut out. And all instead of pages in all the books they're just a bunch of rings and different jewelry so perhaps this diamond ring isn't an engagement ring It was just another piece of stolen jewelry that he's collecting to try to sell to try to for different purposes who knows other books she opens contain jewelry the last one she has has a drawing that Tim that she gave to Tim as a child so it shows how important he was to her or how she was to him do they show the inside of anyone's room yes they do they show the inside of each person's apartment And we definitely get inside and we get throughout every building. And thank you so much for everyone checking this out. I know this is a new show. I know it's the afternoon. It's not uh, when I normally podcast and when normally people are available. But thank you so much to anyone that has checked out this stream up until this point or this podcast. I will be, as I mentioned a few times, talking about every single episode this season. So if you're watching this later and you want to make sure you join live, uh, make sure you're subscribed and following the channel so you can get your notification. As I've noticed, and you can tell now, only about 19 to 20% of the people subscribed to this channel actually get are signed up for notifications. So if you are subscribed, make sure you double check to make sure you're signed up for notifications because I want to make sure, if you still give a crap, that you are told when I go live so you can check out my silly, silly nonsense. The episode ends with Mabel finishing her video with Tim and saving it saying in case I'm next. The final episode of our three and the final episode we're gonna talk about today is how well do you know your neighbors? Each episode actually opens up with a title card based around a podcast image, which I really do enjoy. The, ep- the episode opens up with Oliver in a flashback from 2005. He's at a dinner party with Teddy Dima the owner of Dima's Deli, played by guest star Nathan Lane. Oliver uses this opportunity, and yes, Nathan Lane pops up in the show. It's great to see Nathan Lane. He's all, He always delivers a solid performance. The last time I saw Nathan Lane in something high profile was the People vs. O.J. Simpson series American Crime Story, which he played... Uh, play, uh, he played one of the attorneys, the the older attorney, um, and he did an excellent job in that. I think Nathan Lane is one of those guys that, again, because of his comedic timing, and because of his theatrical ability, and because of his iconic role in The Birdcage, people forget how much talent Nathan Lane has, and he's very good in this small part. He's very Nathan Lane in it, but you can see the affection he has for Martin Short's character and how he keeps getting manipulated by him through time uh, based around these situations. And... And we basically see this whole thing where he's presenting the trying to get three million more dollars to try to create a water tank for the mermaid special. In the present, Charles is simultaneously recording an audio for the podcast while playing a theme he wrote on the uh, concertina, the, uh, the the little instrument he's playing. Earth, <laughs> where Martin Short says, "We're doing a murder podcast, not not." not listening to someone's bar mitzvah video or something. I forget what the line is, but there's a lot of I can't mention every joke, but there's a lot of excellent business between Steve Martin and Martin Short where they're just insulting each other back and forth and it really works. It really works. They have an amazing one-two punch chemistry with ragging on each other. Again, this isn't a series that you're gonna have like deep hardcore feelings. It's more of something you're gonna watch with a lighthearted feeling. You know, it's very lighthearted. Even within this, the deepness that I'm saying, or the murder mystery aspect, there's a general lightheartedness to it all. So, Ursula interrupts the session with her next delivery of gut milk, which is the, the, uh, there's a whole, uh, box system. You know how, like, when you, uh, whether it be, uh, what's the one, the, uh, the food one that's they, they like send you food boxes every month or something like that. Uh, it's a business and it's a meal. <laughs> the uh, gut milk to be able to uh, to get the information from the super, they needed to sign up for the gut milk box system. So they're like, so they're they're sitting there with like with uh, like twenty boxes of this gut milk stuff. So, plus a letter from Bunny that gives him 24 hours to pay or his water and his electricity get turned up. Steve Martin texting humor actually works, made me laugh. They talk about how the brothers, uh, brother kids. Okay, so Charles uh, texts Mabel to join them for the meeting, revealing the marker board with all the photos he took of the Aconia's residence, all taken in the background with selfie form. Very funny. Among the neighbors is musical superstar Sting, which Charles says he doesn't believe he's a suspect, but always wanted to get a picture with him. Charles wants to get through them all by the process of elimination to find the killer, but Oliver's intent on casting his podcast villain like a stage show. Holy shit! Never heard of this show, but I'm simply a simple man. I see Phil online and I tune in. The bloody talker, you screwed me over. The bloody talker, thank you so much for that super chat donation. I said it earlier. I don't want to take a shot of vodka at noon on a noon on a Friday, but if I get a super chat donation from the bloody motherfucking talker, and that wheel, I could spin the wheel right now. But it's the it, the wheel is more of a formality of part of the stuff I'm par- packing right now. So we're just going to assume that the uh, that it is a shot. I haven't even eaten breakfast yet. But I'm having a shot of vodka because the Bloody Talker gave an amazing super chat donation. Thank you so much to Bloody Talker and to anyone that gives us these super chat donations. As people on YouTube don't often say this right now, but in the new landscape, in all these live stream type situations, every little super chat donation helps a thousand million times more than they used to help before, even. So, Bloody Talker, toast to you, my friend. Let me take this shot of vodka. Mm. Woo-wee! Fucking hey man. Lots of love, Bloody Talker. Thank you for buying me that shot. I very much appreciate it. Okay. So Among the Neighbors is the musical superstar Sting, which Charles says he doesn't believe, but he wanted to uh he wanted to get get a picture with him. Charles went through all of them by the process of em- elimination to find the podcast. Uh to find the killer. But Oliver is intent on casting this in a different way. And this sets up a JD like dream sequence with Oliver looking at all the the tenants of the building like villains in a stage show that he's casting going to each one of them first off is the therapist who's like i'm a bad therapist bad 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 and yes he does slap himself like that and talks about how he's such a bad boy and in on in that way charles turns to him or uh martin short's character goes goes back to the back of the line and he does this to every character until he gets to until he gets to Howard, the guy whose cat was killed the same night. Excuse me. And he actually knew that Tim had a gun as well. And he was on the records as being as being someone that complained about Tim a lot. <laughs> it's true. If I get drunk enough today, I'm going to need something to watch after this. It's true, Jesse. I might finally put on The Expanse. Uh, but, oh, into the point of, uh, I don't know if... I don't know if our friend is still here. I know there's a couple people that want me to watch The Expanse, Expanse. But I don't know if if our good friend... Ah! Sorry. Jordy the fucking Jedi. Great to see Jordy the Jedi earlier in the live chat too. I don't know if Alex is still in the chat right now. But Joe has watched every second of The Expanse. And he is Expanse. And he is a huge fan. Because he he says there's a lot of... uh. He feels the pedigree of Babylon Five all over it, which he's a huge Babylon Five fan. Um, that's I think that might be Joe's favorite show of all time, Babylon Five. Uh, but but the Expanse is definitely Joe has completely drank the Kool Aid of that. So uh, so so uh, maybe you you might see some Joe Dirty Locks content talking about that show uh, in the very 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 immediacy. And yes, you're right, AK. It's uh, it's noon. It's noon, which means it's five o'clock somewhere. It's okay that, and it's Friday. I, I have the day off. This is work. Awesome. No, I, I definitely will. I mean, I feel like there's an element that I need to. Uh, someone said this in a live chat. If I if I don't eventually watch it, I need to tune in, turn in my sci-fi card. No matter how big of a Star Trek fan I am, you know, The Expanse is just on that list of modern day sci-fi. You just have to watch it, Jesse. Jesse with the super chat donation, you who's forcing the second shot. (laughs) I love you Jesse. Phil! Watch the damn Expanse! What I am going to be doing though, and I'm buzzy enough after one shot to announce it, is I am going to be doing a rewatch of a series uh, on HBO coming up soon and doing a complete rewatch of it episode by episode because I feel like it's an underloved series and strangely enough I did a video once on the complete series breakdown of it and Unlike a lot of my other things that don't get a lot of views these days, that keeps getting views. So, uh, so I'm going to talk about this series. I don't want to announce it yet because I know somebody is going to uh, do it before me. But there's an HBO series that I'm a that I'm a huge fan of, as much as Game of Thrones and the uh, the Wire and the Sopranos, that I can't wait to talk about, and I'm going to be t- breaking down every single episode of it. So here we go. Oh, what? Was that you? So here we go. Toast. Mm-mm. Thank you for the super chat donation, Jesse. You are the freaking man. Thank you for getting me buzzy drunk. I'm already now I have two shots. I'm already drunk. Holy grass. Look up. I'm drunk. Oh, you said the card comment. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> it was Jesse that said the comment comment about I need to turn I don't care how big of a Deep Space Nine fan you are, Phil. But you're going to need to tune in, turn in your sci-fi card if you don't finally watch the expense dick cheese. I'm adding the dick cheese on the top there. I am going to binge Young Justice. I have binged the first half of it and I enjoy it. I just need to uh, get back into it again. I end up getting caught up with some other shows, but I definitely enjoy Young Justice and I'm eager to see, and I know they are going to be new Young Justice at some point in time, Jay. I'm pretty sure they've announced that. But we're almost at the end of this episode, and then I will babble a little bit at the end here because I'm already buzzed. Thank you to Jesse, and thank you to the Bloody Talker for getting me buzzy on a Friday afternoon. I'll be asleep by two, so <laughs> be thankful that I'm not having a third shot. The third shot might get me to be uh, to lose my mind here. Okay, so Martin Short sees this whole thing, he eliminates them one by one until he gets to Howard, Evelyn's cat daddy, shares the thoughts, Charles and Mabel's body mics, or they get them body mics so they can go have a meeting with Howard and record him. Oliver tells them he has producer stuff to do and won't be able to join, and they're like, what the fuck is this? And he walks off. At one point in time, every combination of two characters has had the third one run away and the two of them turn to each other and go, I don't trust him. It starts, I think the first one is Steve Martin and Martin Short are together and Selena disappears and they turn to each other and go, and Martin Short goes, I don't trust her. She's shifty. And in this scene, Martin Short walks out and the two of them turn to each other and go, what the fuck? What the fuck was that about? And he runs out to do producer stuff. And says that they need to say to Howard that they're being reco- he's being recorded at one point in time. Howard has snuck away into Teddy's apartment in hopes of selling him on the financing a podcast. Teddy brings up the splash and signs to his deaf son behind Oliver's back. Teddy tells Oliver that he would love to have drinks together sometime. And that's Nathan Lane's character. But he doesn't want any more projects together and he cannot give him any more money. That's a fact for the issues guy. Get to the expanse. I'm curious to know what faction you'll be in. Earth, Mars, or the belt? Mm. I'm guessing by that, I'm going to I'm going to unbuckle that belt, AK. <laughs> I like what's behind the belt sometimes. A nice young lady's belt. Oh, sorry. I'm 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 buzzed, so suddenly I'm getting uh getting 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 Uncle Phil's ketchup couch here a little bit. So she tells him that uh, on the elevator, they ride to Howard's floor. Charles meets Jan, played by Amy Ryan, who has a bassoon case. He tells her that he's she's first chair bassoon at the Symf- City Symphony and tells her that he's heard her practicing and he loves it, which is a lie because we've seen Steve Martin close his window and be, excuse me, annoyed by that, which is very funny. And I love Selena Gomez in this scene, too, because Steve Martin talks. Steve Martin is playing very well, out of touch old man at times in this, Uh He'll say something from his show, and he'll say it out loud. He'll turn and go, that's from my show, with a big smile on his face. Or they do something, and they come into another scene, and Steve Martin's like, oh, I can't believe we just stole this stuff from another person's apartment. And Selena goes, I know. I was just there. There's just like this old madness to it all. And uh, and he turns to Selena in the elevator and goes, goes "Uh oh, uh, Jan plays, she's first chair. That's really impressive. And Selena says, real deadpan. I don't know what that means. I and again, I have no I have no dog in the Selena Gomez fight. If anything, I had Luke cold feelings towards her, thinking about her as just, you know, a flash in the pan Disney star that had made shitty music that I didn't really like, that seemed like overproduced, uh auto-tune-y kind of music stuff. But Similar to, uh, but similar to some other music talents that uh, that have more. She has, to me, more talent as an actress than she does as a musician. I have not, I hadn't, just seeing her in this, just seeing her comedic timing. Ak was mentioning earlier that she's ex, she was excellent on the Disney Channel show that she was on, and that she's always shown that she had a little bit extra, a little bit of extra heat on her fastball from an acting standpoint, and she shows it in the show. She presents it in the show. I. Legitimately, have become a am a fan of her in these first three episodes, and that's from someone that had no knowledge of her, or understanding of her, other than other than her connection to the Beebs. If you choose the belt, you'll have to pick what subfaction. Ooh, I love it, you damn Belta! <laughs> What I'm guessing is that some of the uh, that's where some of the people different settle, and there's little rivalries between the three groups of people, like similar to Lost, where you have where you have the beach people and the cave people. Okay, so on the elevator ride to Ho- so we meet Jan. Howard's apartment is full of cat hair and cat toys with a portrait of a cat he loves above the mantle, revealed not to be Evelyn, being a different cat. Mabel naturally uses Evelyn to get the coward to talk trash about Tim, with Howard telling her that he heard Tim lost his job with an investment firm because he lost a big client and lost money. He adds that his personal issues with Tim started when Evelyn got into his apartment through an open window and Tim freaked out because he's allergic to cats. Who leaves a window open if you're allergic to cats and you know a cat's in the building? Charles stands up and tries to organically say you're being recorded. His nose starts bleeding. And when Howard sees it, he passes out. And they realize that Howard can't be a can't be a selection because he's uh, horrified by the sight of blood. Charles races to the freezer to get ice from Howard's head. But there's a frozen corpse of the cat in the freezer and the leg breaks off. It's a very funny slapstick kind of moment where Steve Martin opens the freezer. and We see the frozen corpse of the cat and he rips off the leg. It's almost a Frank Drebin kind of moment where he accidentally rips it off. Oh my god, the Sword of the Afternoon! Holy shit! I don't even know! Sword of the Afternoon is a new viewer. I'm not sure if I n- recognize the Sword of the Afternoon's like, Listen, asshole. I'm enjoying this fucking discussion, I really am. But I'm getting into the theme of this. And I'm giving you another shot! Watch the damn expense, ass face. Toast it up! Fine! fine when this is all done i'll watch episode one of the damn expanse i'm almost drunk enough oh my god i'm not sure i'm gonna make it past this stream if i had to do one more damn shot i might pass out before the damn stream's over i love you sort of the afternoon thank you so much wizards of waverly is an awesome show the last episode sucked is that her show jay um that will uh that was, was she because I've heard of Wizards of Waverly Place. On one of the early conventions that I got access to, and I interviewed a bunch of different actors and stuff. There's still video clips of that somewhere on this channel. You can see me interviewing, um, and or there's a video of Joe and I at a at a panel discussion with Roz and Hodor, with Joe asking sexual questions to Roz, like, "Who is your favorite person to do a sex scene with?" And uh, Hodor telling him telling Joe to shut up. Ah, uh, but so in all of that, we were uh, one of the actors that I was interviewing was sitting next to an actor from Wizards of Waverly Place. Some dude, I don't I don't know who he is. Stephanie ended up getting a uh, my ex wife Stephanie ended up getting a uh, autographed picture of him for her younger niece. I forget some some young hot guy. He was standing next to this girl from the TBS show. Uh, King of the Nerds. What, what was her name? She was almost, I was almost on her podcast once. I forget her name, but she's like a video game streamer. Anyways, blah, blah, blah. Sorry for the rant. I'm drunk. Thank you, Sword of the Afternoon. Jewels in the damn Prado module needs to be erased. No one should have that damn thing. Way too dangerous for the idiots that aren't smart enough. Holy shit. <laughs> We're getting some expanse discussion in the live motherfucking chat. And I love it. A.K. agrees with Jay's statement. Wizards of Waverly Place was a good show until they fucked up the ending. Is is Wizardsly of Waverly Place having never seen it? Am I assuming that these are just like wizards that live like in a normal neighborhood, and it's all about like the wizards trying to fit in? Is it like is it like a kid's version of Charmed, kind of where it's where instead of being witches, it's wizards living in a neighborhood on Waverly Place and having to find their way into normal society. I, I, having never known anything about Wizards of Waverly Place, it is relevant to the discussion because Selena Gomez is part of the show and part of this show. That's what I'm assuming it was about. But it could be about something completely different. Okay, so uh, Charles brings ice after getting the, bol- the frozen cat who tells him he has... Uh, he faints at the sight of blood. Mabel draws a conclusion that he could have killed Tim. Actually, I didn't finish this last one. Uh, of course, now I'm like wanting to get drunk. And I'm like, one more super chat. Give me shit face. I need it. <laughs> Anyways, Mabel draws a conclusion that he couldn't have killed Tim as a result. In the hallway, Charles tells Mabel that his nose are caused by severe anxiety. Now Oliver dejectedly plays the piano as he drinks his gut milk and looking at the Splash poster, he decides to sell it to get some cash. On his way down to the elevator, he bumps into Charles, who talks him back up. Oliver confesses to Charles that not only was Splash a flop, but it ruined him financially with lawsuits investigations into injuries sustained by the cast when lowering the st- when the lowering stage malfunctioned. Worst of all, Oliver personally invested his son's college fund into this show, which lost him his family and his family, in addition to his career. Charles cheers Oliver up by thanking him for getting into the podcast and agreeing to contribute financially to the show. Now, Mabel plays a visit to the superintendent's apartment to ask about Oscar. He isn't there and his father doesn't want Mabel talking to him. He asks her not to come back. Later, Mabel sits on the floor of her apartment looking at some items she took from Tim's apartment. A note falls out that says GM slash 131 at 430 on Shore Road. Mabel checks her phone. Today is Today is January 24th, so a week later, they can check this out. Now, Charles has an I- has given Oliver an idea. He grabs a bottle of wine and two glasses and hurry back to Teddy's apartment, appealing to his old friend's sense and gets him to give in and invest in the podcast. Give him $32,000. Later, Oliver takes his dog, Winnie. and This is where we get shady, and it gets almost a serious twinge to all of this. Oliver takes his dog, Winnie, out for a walk and gets in the elevator. When who's in there? Nothing but uh, front man of the police, Sting. The dog sniffs Sting's leg, and the musician asks Oliver to control his dog. Oliver jokes to Winnie, saying, Don't stand so close to Sting. It's actually a very funny, awkward Martin Martin Lawrence. I said it again. Martin Short, blaming the alcohol, you motherfuckers. Not like Charmed at all, though. More like Discount Harry Potter, spliced with the original Worst Witch movie. I can't wait till Phil starts the singing the bell to the song I'm a am that's not the song that's not the song okay so uh I love the don't stand so close to Sting it, Martin Short does an excellent job of telling bad jokes in a really genuine way Winnie can't stop trying to sniff Sting's leg and as the elevator stops Sting tells uh, Martin Short I don't like dogs and Martin Short's like you have a dog he's like I don't like my dog either so later, Charles plays the theme he wrote for the podcast to Mabel, who he turns to her, and I said this earlier, he says, says oh, you like it? And she goes, is that what my face is telling you? <laughs> Oliver enters and announces, funniest funniest laugh of the episode for me. Oliver enters and announces that the first episode of the podcast has been published. They're like, what? And they're upset because they didn't feel like they were ready, but there's only four listeners. And Mabel's like, maybe we can worry about it when we have 12 listeners. Uh, Mabel looks at her phone and finds it. It's called Dima chicken perhaps presents only murders in the building oscar tells them about the sponsorship adding that they had to rush out the first episode because of the potential event with demas deli the episode enters ends with oliver returning to his apartment and finding a note on the door it says end the podcast or i end you entering his never locked apartment he finds his dog winnie on the ground wheezing her chew bone has been covered in white powder he jumps to the conclusion that sting did this. only murders in the building and we uh and we we end the episode with with uh, sting sing don't don't stand so close to me in the theater room as uh, as we're as he believes that the murderer is in fact sting. And that's the end of our episode of murders in our first three episode of murders, only murders in the building. Great episode, great series, I love the first three episodes so so far an amazing amount, especially episode three, I feel like the, as the more the show's moving downhill, or pr- not downhill as in going downhill, going downhill, the more that the snowball is picking up here. It's setting up a lot of mystery, someone is on to them, someone is watching what's happening, it's someone we've met so far, I love murder mystery type stuff, I love the playing the game of Clue. We've never talked about a show like this on the channel, but I've been excited to do this. I don't there's uh so we're going to be checking this episode checking these episodes out each week talking about our speculations on who are the murderers, who could it possibly be? To me, starting out here from my, after these first 3 episodes, I feel like the real information on who it is isn't out there yet. I feel like all of the people in the building are all going to be suspects in and out at some point in time. But for some reason, I feel like the series ends with finding out that one of our main three characters is actually going to be the murderer. But I don't know. My My implication is that it's going to be either Steve Martin, Selena Gomez, or Martin Schwartz character that are going to end up being the murderer. But there are a couple of people of the people that live in the building that I am a little shady about. There's a, there's a guy that hasn't, we haven't seen many scenes with him that he he just gives shady looks. I have a feeling each episode is going to be sort of, you're going to think it's a different person until it all comes together in the final episode. That being said, we're going to be overanalyzing this. We could call our this podcast the overanalyzation of this. Maybe I will be joined by a guest here and there if Joe catches up and enjoys the series. Or if Tony ends up watching this and he pops in and, and wants to join in and have this discussion with me one day. May have some guests pop in, but most likely you might just be stuck with just me on this one and you're going to be getting my, uh, my drunk hippie ass, my hippie ass drunk in the afternoon. So thank you so much to everyone that tuned in this afternoon and especially to our super chatters that have got me a little buzz. going to take a couple questions in the comment section and we got Jay's voicemail to play as well. Excuse me. And then I will be calling this a stream. Excuse me. Ooh, that, ooh, the burpee, burpee, burpee from that vodka. Let's play Jay's message first. <laughs> hey, so I don't know if you ever seen this movie, but there was a movie called um, Once Upon a Crime with, like, John Candy and Jim Belushi. Do you think that show is anything like, uh, this? the show you're watching is anything like that movie? All right, Later you as always for a great question i wouldn't say it's exactly like that movie but it has a similar comedic tone to it there's also a movie with chevy chase uh nothing but trouble is, it, is that what it's called that has a similar tone to this like murder mystery but fun haunted honeymoon as well with uh with Gil- gilder Radner and uh gene wilder and dom de i feel like is uh sim- is that what that was called haunted honeymoon uh... I feel like has that sort of feel to this as well. It's definitely influenced by things like that. Um, is, yeah, it's nothing but. Tr- is that the one with with uh, with Dan Aykroyd playing that weird sort of uh, character? Th- but anyways, so yes, it does have a very much that eighties nineties comedic tone to it while simultaneously breaking that up a little bit by having Selena Gomez piss all over it in a good way. Like adding her modern sensibilities and her Disney Channel image to the aspect of the show as well. Holy shit. Why does he never lock the door? It's a good question, AK. He points it out very much so that he never locks his door. And it to me, it says something around guilt that If you know you're the one to be worried about, why lock your doors? But I don't know. I think he doesn't lock his doors because he's somebody that wants people around him and wants to be adulated. Adulated? Wants adulation. (laughs) Wants people to support him and love him and put him up on a pedestal. So I think a lot of times that's why he would do it. I remember when I was younger, we didn't necessarily lock our doors in some points in time when i was in my condo with when i was with my grandmother in the condo like everyone that lived in that community interacted with each other so but again that was the early 80s there was a point in time in the 60s you know late 60s where everyone hitchhiked and it was no problem wasn't until the charles Charles manson thing where people started being hinky about hitchhiking there was a whole generation of people that did that (laughs) now go get breakfast and watch the damn expense holy shit jesse jesse i know i'll say don't worry i'll uh i'll have plenty to save for that i'll play plenty of hippie activities to save for my watch with the expense i don't really drink alone it's one of those weird things and i've said this before i don't know if this is good or bad or indifferent or whatever but it is a thing that no matter what i do no matter how much i want to Like, there's nothing I would enjoy more when I make a meal, especially now that I live alone, you know, living the divorce guy lifestyle, living alone, all by my my lonesome, uh, making myself dinners, making myself uh, meals and having these big meals alone, right? Part of me is like, you know what? I want to have a glass of wine or a beer with my dinner because I enjoy that when I go out to a restaurant or if I have someone at my house to hang out with. I enjoy having a beer or a drink or I enjoy having shots sitting here talking to you guys, right? But literally, the minute I end this podcast, the minute, if there's any alcohol left in this, I won't be able to drink it. I can only drink when other people are around. And I know I'm alone right now. I'm alone in my apartment. You guys aren't actually in the same room as me. But I feel like I'm hanging out with you so I can drink while I'm doing it. But literally, the minute I end all this, go in the other room to sit down and watch TV for the day, um, take Lotus on another walk, and then go out and watch TV for the day, and turn on The Expanse, uh, which I'm going to do, at least episode one. At least I'm going to check out episode one right now. And uh, is it a show? Quick question. Is it a show that I need to watch more? That, like, am I, might be? Does it take a while to get started? Even The Wire, I say... Watch The Wire to episode seven, because episode seven, when the chemo situation happens, is when things start really getting good. not saying it isn't good before then, but it could be boring to the wrong person in one. But my point is, I'll smoke, I'll do hippie activities alone every single day. I'll even do other hallucinogenic activities alone. But I will, I just can't drink alone. I don't like it. So to your point, save that shot for The Expanse. I can't do that. I won't do it. I won't drink it. <laughs> so, if you want me to drink and get drunk at 12 30 in the afternoon on a Friday afternoon, I'm only gonna do it while you guys are here. So, toast to you. Thank you so much for the super chat donation, Jesse. You guys are amazing with these super chats. I cannot thank you enough. Mmm. Four. Wow. Thank you so much, everyone, for checking this out. Get some sandwich. Oh, wait. Got some sandwich lettuce recently called the Hippie Crippler. Super dope, sativa, dominant strain. Hmm. I mean, I mean, to meet up with you, Bloody Talker. We do live in the same. You're in mass, aren't you, Bloody Talker? <laughs> why, why, I might be wrong about that, but I don't know why I flashed that I think Bloody Talker's in mass. I don't know. I don't think he is. I think I might be confusing Bloody Talker with Hannibal right now, Who who was able to come to one of my rock band shows. Nothing But Trouble is still awesome. Holds up well. For it to be Martin, Sh- Martin Short, or Selena, they will have to make the dead guy a despicable character to offset the likability of the three podcasters. That's what they did. So far, he is does seem like a despicable character. But if they show him to actually have been the one that maybe did the murder or something. But I honestly, that's just my quick speculation. I don't think it's really going to be the one of the three of them. But I, I think it's going to be. I think we already know. I think they've already told us in some sort of mystery that hasn't quite been dictated yet i think the clues are going to be there i think steve martin is a smart enough writer and plotter of a series if he's the showrunner of all of this that he's going to want these clues coming in from episode one so we really need to start looking as we look into episode four when it comes out and we can break it down more as one episode i don't have to do like an overall kind of breakdown like i did today where i'm doing broad strokes of the episodes i can really kind of dig in we can really dig in these episodes Let's let's get out our magnifying glasses and play our Sherlock Holmes, play our data and data in Geordie Holmes here and try to figure out who the murderer of not only Tim is, but who is the murderer of the girl, too. And is it the same person? Because we know it isn't that other guy. We know it isn't, isn't the super's kid. So it is going to be interesting to watch this and follow this all the way through. Jesse says it takes some time to learn all the factions, but the, action, but the action moves. Yeah, the last video is set to private. The one I, you mean the one that got started last night, Dev? I actually deleted that because I was trying to set this up for t- today and it accidentally started the Walking Dead podcast early <laughs> for the one that I'm doing on Sunday. So the one that's set for private that if anyone got a notification last night that I went live at like like 12 30 one o'clock in the morning after i was done with the stream with tony and bridge uh that was just because i was setting up this event and i was making sure that i was connected okay so i could go live this afternoon so uh that was the case mr mr dwark great to see dwarf burger swamp beard in the live chat can't wait to have a uh have another game night soon when i move into the new location in october um got to talk to uh Talk to Mr. Ely and see when he's gonna be here next, but look forward to a uh we gotta have a game night before we're before we're in uh winter soon. It's been too long since we all hung out and uh Big Daddy Matt is on the mend. He's about to get back from his surgery too, so uh we'll have to all have a party. I was shocked but the- a but quite a few people complained about the beginning of the series. Okay, so the beginning of the series, I might be prepared for a slight slower time. Some people might not see it that way, but for me, going in, don't necessarily be pre- be prepared to be blown away with crazy action or something in the first episode. The first episode is going to kind of get me into the tone of what the show is. So I am going to definitely check that out. I am almost drunk enough right now. I'm like I'm oh, always drunk enough right now to go check out the fucking Expanse right now, baby. But no, I I am. Uh, it's high on my list of shows I need to check out. Um, and so many of you people in the live chat, Alex and Jesse and AK and so many others, tell me to. And Joe as well. Joe, as I mentioned earlier, it's one of Joe's favorite shows now. Um, tell me to watch the Expanse, so I will definitely check that out. Moving again. Yikes, a new game that would be... Yes, it's the third... Dev, it's the third time in three years. Granted, last year's move was the worst one because it was forced upon me for, uh, you know, uncomfortable reasons. This one, I'm moving into a place that our good buddy uh, good buddy Nick has just purchased. So it's... And I'm going to be living uh, in the other unit with uh, Nick's two cousins and uh, living into a more, you know, at least... least have my landlord be somebody that I know and I'm sort of moving in there partially to help him out as well too so it's like it's a uh, hopefully this will be the last move for a while but but yes we need to have another game night Uh, it's been a long time since we smashed it up so uh, so yes we'll have to do that I'm moving officially on uh, the 26th I think is my moving day and then I'll be officially in on the October 1st so maybe around November December we can figure out a game night don't feel bad. I still haven't watched Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul or The Sopranos in the swamp downstairs from the gir- girl goth. Because, ah, uh, no, uh, those are the people, but they're moving out of the Swampscott place and moving into this place in the Lynn with me. And then Nick's mother is moving just to. Let's give personal information. Nick's mother's moving into the downstairs place with uh with Nick's cousin. So but they are the two people that are moving uh with me. And we're gonna have a have a fire pit in the backyard and have a go have a cool little environment going on in that in the new place. But it's in Lynn right near uh Eastern Ave, right off Eastern Ave. So it's right on the Swamp Lynn line. <laughs> as I'm as I'm talking about things that people have, I'll be like, what the fuck are you even talking about? But that that's a little personal conversation between me and Dev. I'm a little buzzed. Give me a break. But yes, it's a win-win situation. Instead of paying my money to some some uh, stranger landlord, I'm going to be paying it to somebody I know. And have some sort of ownership of the property myself as he's going to be staying in my unit when he's in, in town. So there's some sort of uh, some sort of ownership value of it as well. And I'm going to be able to be a little bit more loud again. So instead of having a downstairs neighbor who works during the day from home and I can't play drums during the day. You know, silly things like that um, that I'll be able to do a lot more. I'll be able to get a cat <laughs> again after my 20-year-old cat passed last a couple of years ago. Uh, As there's a no cat rule in here. So a couple of a couple of fun things. I'm excited about the move. I'll be able to stream a lot more um, without worrying about timing and my living room and my streaming room will be all one room too. So it's a couple of fun things that are going to be happening with this new place and I'll officially be moved on October 1st. Um, so not too much, not too long, there won't be like a big break in the action, maybe just a week where I disappear again, but for the most part, there should be no interruption in our action here, but within the next couple of weeks, you're going to see this disappear. It's funny thinking about this podcast and thinking about how long I've done this, that now this will be the one, two, three, four, five, fifth different place that we've done this show from, um... So, uh, but this is going to be hopefully my favorite one of them all, so I'm, I'm excited about this and can't wait to have my good friend Dev come by and check it out, as it's been way too long since we've hung out, Dev, with everything, with the, uh, the quarantine and everything. Um, been way too long since I've seen you, uh, and, and, you and because of uh, you had a different party, you weren't able to make the cookout this year, uh, so I, I feel like it's been so long since I've been able to get a chance to hang, so we'll definitely have to figure something out for the, for the fall-winter. Anyways. Exactly. Let the drum circles begin. (laughs) I'll have to find a new greeting for you. If you need help, let me move. I might take you up on that. We're all moving on the 26th. It's Sunday the 26th. Joe's helping me and we're renting a truck and stuff. So uh, if you feel like maybe coming down, that's fine. Uh, Also... uh, also, randomly, I'm just talking to Devin because he's the only one here. hung out with Chris Chris Urani. Chris, you, uh, not too long ago, met back up with him. It was the first time I'd seen him since uh, 2017, and he'll be up in the area more often. Him and I are going to work on recording an album over the course of the next year, like a drum-oriented record, which all... Um, if anyone's ever heard Tanji or um, Mickey Hart, playing of the Drum, we're going to do like an all-percussion record or at least a uh, song based around that. So uh, and Chris might help me move as well. So Um, good to see Chris. I had not seen him in a while. Anyways, blah, 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 blah. I can't believe that after all these years, because it's been years since I've been nagging you, you're finally actually going to watch The Expanse. I'm pretty goddamn drunk right now. You guys gave me a lot of super chat donations to try to influence me to watch The Expanse right now. I'm good. I'm going to sit down when all this is done this afternoon, early this evening and watch the first episode of The Expanse. It's been too long. About time to do it. But everyone, thank you so much for tuning in this afternoon. I will be back this Sunday evening at 1035 Eastern Standard Time with Joe Dirty Locks to talk about the most recent episode of The Walking Dead. And I will also... Possibly be on Tony's on Saturday night, but definitely on uh, Sunday for Joe with Joe Dirty Locks talking about The Walking Dead. And then I'll be back either Tuesday or Wednesday to talk about the next episode of Only Murders in the... Uh, Tuesday, actually. Monday night or Tuesday afternoon, I should say. Not Tuesday or Wednesday. Monday or Tuesday. Monday night or Tuesday afternoon to talk about the most recent episode of Only Murders in the Building. And then if people are Game of Thrones fans and wondering... If I'm going to be talking about Game of Thrones stuff, Tony and I and Bridge4 as well, occasionally joining us, uh, the Usual Suspects podcast, will be joining Tony on Tony's channel, Tony Teflon. That's Teflon TV here on YouTube. Every Wednesday between the hours of 6 and 7 we'll be starting. Um, So there's a variating time depending on when Tony gets home from work or um, I'm available, but mostly probably closer to 6.00. But maybe as late as starting at 7. Bridge 4 will be joining us as well, doing what if Game of Thrones stuff. The most recent one that we did, the first one, was what if the Red Wedding didn't happen? So if uh, you're. Curious of some more just freeform Game of Thrones discussion? You can check me out on Teflon TV. I'm I join Tony weekly over there, and uh, maybe we'll pop over here as well, too, and on Bridges channel as well. But for now, existing only on Tony's channel. Make sure you subscribe to Teflon TV to get all the Game of Thrones content stuff. But I'll also follow me on Twitter. I'll always uh, post, I'm going live over there with a link to that for you guys. Um, or on Facebook, if you follow Phil's recap and review or Friends of Phil group on Facebook, you can join that. Or our Discord group, you can find the link to the Discord group in the description box below. But make sure you check that out. But I will be on on Sundays and on either Mondays or Tuesdays every week for these two shows until there's yet another show to talk about. So, uh, so. But if you want to check us out here more. Myself and the illustrious Joe locks will be on Sunday, this Sunday evening at about 10.35 p.m. to talk about the most episode, most recent episode of Game of Thrones. I have to thank you guys so much for getting me a little drunk. Yeah, Unbound Game of Thrones streams. Joe and I will be talking about House of Dragons on this channel when we, uh, once we get the first trailer, but I'm keeping my Game of Thrones discussions alive right now on Teflon TV um, and Maybe, like I said, we'll have Tony come over here and do one of them over here as well. Um, And right now we're doing what ifs. The next what if that we're doing, which is coming up on Wednesday, will be what if Carl, Carl Drogo never died. How would this story have gone? So uh, we're going to be analyzing that, talking about that, and having a quick discussion about that. So if anyone wants to continue those discussions, misses our talks about Game of Thrones discussions from back in 2017 when we used to do that, uh, you can follow me over on Teflon TV for the fun of that. And Joe and I will absolutely be talking about the prequel series House of the Dragon as soon as we get our first trailer. I can't bring speculation to Joe. Joe doesn't want to talk about speculation. He doesn't want to talk about maybe this, maybe that, whatever that. He only wants brass facts in front of him. So until we have a visual trailer for something to break apart for Joe, there's no use talking about Game of Thrones stuff on this channel right now. So if you're curious of that stuff, make sure you subscribe to Teflon TV. Otherwise, stay tuned attached to us here. Make sure if you haven't already, hit that follow button. As I mentioned, only 20% of the people that are subscribed to this channel have that follow button clicked. So if you want, if you're checking this out at some point, and you're like, where the hell have you been? Then make sure you hit that follow button, unsubscribe, subscribe again, because sometimes that works too. And make sure you're up to date when all the times that we go live and help us solve this mystery on only murders in the building. Everybody, thank you so much for checking out this video. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Share the channel with our friend. Help us keep growing. Thank you to all of you guys, those of you that watched this show, or those of you that haven't watched this show, for enjoying this silly content. Do one of the biggest plot holes in the Thrones. Why didn't Tyrion kill Littlefinger? We will do that one, too. That's a good one. Cool beans, I will check it out. Now I have to go watch Only Murders in the Building. I hope you do, Alex, because... I miss you so much popping into these streams. So I'm going to be doing... uh, Maybe I'll stick this to an afternoon thing because I like being able to do things in the afternoon. I get a whole new group of people. So I appreciate you guys. I'm going to go sit down and watch The Expanse and see if I can catch up in preparation for a final season so Joe and I can talk about the final season, The Expanse when that comes out too. Thank you all for checking this out. As I mentioned, please, if you haven't already, hit that like button. This is a new show, new content on it. So, I need you guys to help share this so we can get some of the other viewers that watch Only, Murder- Only Murders in the Building to help join this discussion. Especially because I say fuck every other word is harder than ever for YouTube to suggest me to other people. So I need you guys to help suggest me out. So share this video, find someone that you know that might enjoy my content, and bring them on into the, the fray. We need to have a lot of fun. It's going to be a fun year here at Phil's, issue, Phil's Recap and Review, Phil the Issues Guy. We're going to get as many shows as we can talk about here, and we're going to have a lot of fun shows. This is only the first new one. Got to find the new stuff to talk about. I love you guys. You guys have been so awesome this afternoon. I might even take one more shot just for you. Give you a free one because I cannot take enough of this and I don't want to go off the air. Huge toast to everyone in the live motherfucking chat. You guys have been incredible. Oh, we need Phil. Listen, Miles. We need another one of those. Let's play that one more time. Miles Edward O'Brien. Do it. Toast to all of you guys. Love you guys. AK, thank you so much. Love you, AK. Oh, shit. I'm dropping everything. Dropping everything. Goodbye, everybody. Catch you all Saturday night for Drunken Chat on my channel. If everyone hasn't already, make sure you subscribe to AK Watch, who's in the chat right now. And if you're watching this later, you can look at the chat replay to click on AK. AK is one of the legitimately good, awesome folks out here that is keeping... Low down, fun discussion based topics and uh, content going on so if you want to have some fun make sure you subscribe to AK literally one of the best people out here I'm, and I've met her in person too and she is a incredible sweetheart so, uh, so lots of love to AK and lots of love to everyone in the live motherfucking chat free the belt a little expensive I don't know what I'm talking about but free the belt <laughs> love you guys talk to you next time